You're listening to Inspired by Purpose. My name is Dr. Ozzy Jankovic, and I believe that purpose is what inspires us to make our greatest impact. Each week, we roll out episodes to inspire and empower you to become unstoppable in life and business. I am so grateful to be here with you. Now let's get started. Today, you are going to meet Karen Leshem, who is the CEO at Ocon Therapeutics here in Israel. She is a mentor for the prestigious 8400, the health network. She is a part of the World Economic Forum as a tech pioneer of 2022. Before we dive in, I want to wish you all a good and sweet year if you are celebrating the Jewish New Year. I just celebrated, and this is a time to begin anew, both physically and spiritually, to connect with our deepest intentions and both focus on and pray for a blessed year. It's really a perfect episode this week. It's full of inspiration on leading your professional life with courage and conviction. I want to let you know that there are some exciting events and programs coming up for entrepreneurs and leaders in this community. If you haven't yet, visit my website. It's www.drazi.co. That's drazi.co. Enter your email for the occasional update. You're also going to find my social links there so that we can connect online. I share a lot of content on living and working inspired relationship-based marketing, and personal stories from both my mental health journey and my entrepreneurship journey. I'm looking forward to connecting with you there. Now, let's bring on Karen, CEO of Ocon Therapeutics. All right, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. I am so excited to be sitting here with Karen Leshem, who is the CEO of Ocon Therapeutics, an Israeli-based company that is the only Israeli company in their sector that is a part of the World Economic Forum. So Karen is involved in so many incredible things here, and we're going to talk about everything she's doing when it comes to leading the field in health. And we're also going to talk about what it looks like to be a leader in business and what it takes as a woman specifically to really rise up the ranks in business. Karen, thank you so much for joining us here today on the podcast. Thanks, Adley. It's such a pleasure to be here and talk to you as well. Thank you so much. So why don't we start off with a little bit about what you're doing at Ocon Therapeutics? It's important because I think that we're building a new sector called women's health. We'll maybe talk about it a little bit later about population health, but I think that we're targeting the most prevalent diseases and indications that affect women from the age of 15 all the way through menopause with a very special stent that we've developed that adapts itself to our anatomy. And so it allows us to safely and comfortably treat some of our indication diseases such as abnormal bleeding that affects one in three women, such as endometriosis that affects one in 10, uterine fibroids that affect seven out of 10 women throughout their lives. We have a very important mission to make sure that we move away from oral formulation that sometimes cause the havoc of side effects or invasive procedures in hospitals 
So we want yeah, that. This is just, it's unbelievable and so important. So I'm curious if you could paint a picture for us. If this solution were to be implemented by women at large, available at large worldwide, what kind of improvements would we see just from implementing this one device, this technology that your company has developed? From everything. If you look at the woman herself, then you have a device that you place in your body, you set it and forget it. There's no compliance issues. There's no safety issues. It treats her disease, which a lot of times is accompanied by pain and bleeding. And so the quality of life goes up. So this is on the woman's front. If you look at the doctor's front, finally, he's just not writing a prescription or sending women to hospital to get their uterus removed. He can actually do something in his office, in the community. So he's making money, but he's also offering an option for women that's not invasive and not with side effects. And thirdly, if you look at the payers, these are not very expensive balls to make. They stay in our body for months or years, depending on what the indication is. And so they don't have to continue to support women on buying pharmaceuticals in the pharmacy or uh, getting these invasive procedures. So even for them, the whole healthcare community of payment goes down. And so it's really a win-win situation for everyone. That's incredible. So I see that you have four different products labeled in four colors, like the gold, the purple, violet, and green. Can you tell us a little bit about what each one of those are? So it's a family of products. It's actually a platform. We call it the IUB, intrauterine ball. And each ball is coated with a different active ingredient. And so the one on top called the seed is coated with silver nitrate. And this helps ablate tissue like peeling of the endometrium of the lining that bleeds in a stage procedure in the office. And this is for one in three women that bleed. It's a non-hormonal procedure. Wow. And yeah, it's, it's really exciting. We're in phase two, gearing up to our U.S. studies. The one after that is the IUB Prima. That one is coated with levonorgestrel also to tackle heavy bleeding, but this is a hormonal version of it for younger women that still want to preserve their fertility. And the other ones are still in discovery phase. The Adira would be for fibroids. The Stella would be for endometriosis. So today we have three products. One is commercial, one is in phase two clinical studies, and the other one is gearing up to do its preclinical work. Wow, absolutely incredible. Recently on LinkedIn, I shared an article from Forbes about you as one of three women who are leading the field of women's health. And we got a lot of engagement and support around yeah, that. I post saw because, that. It was crazy. <laughs> because you. You, what you're doing is just so incredible. So I would love to hear from you. I know you have a really unique and powerful perspective when it comes to women's health, and you're even reframing that. So why don't we get into that now, Karen? Thanks. Thanks for asking. I've been in this industry of women's health, or Fentech, as they call it sometimes, for almost four years now. And I've gone to the conferences and exhibitions and I've read all the articles and I have a multitude of, I have incredible people and supporters and investors and friends from this industry and from outside. And I decided recently that we're doing it wrong. We have all these women health specific conferences and engagements that we go to, but it's always the same people. We're talking to the same group of people. We're convincing the convinced. We need to step out of it and we need to be part of mainstream, right? We need to be part of the bigger organizations and conferences. So this is one thing I'm working on. I don't want to do, 
a sideshow of women's health or femtech. I want to be part Oh, my God. I love that. Women's health is not a sideshow. Exactly. Exactly. So that's one. The other thing is we got to stop talking about women's health as a percentage of how many women suffer from, which I've done earlier in this conversation. So a very good friend of mine, and of course, a huge professional in our industry, Gila Taloub from McKinsey. So she, she had a LinkedIn post about a conference she recently attended. And one of the key opinion leaders next to her mentioned that Crohn's disease affects 1% of the population. Of the population. Everybody knows what Crohn's disease is, right? It's, it's a disease that, that affects 1%. And then we talked about women's adenomyosis or endometriosis that affects 10% of women. But if it affects 10% of women, it actually affects 5% of the population. So let's stop talking about 10% of women and let's compare. We have Crohn's disease that everybody knows, a lot of work behind it. If it's food tech or other biotech companies, which affects 1% of the population. And then you have two diseases in women's health, adenomyosis and endometriosis, very different separate diseases, which affect 5% of the population. We need to start talking about how this affects the population. And if we go into myomas affect, or these are myomas are non-cancerous tumors. These, this is a condition that affects 35% of the population. Can you imagine the blue ocean for investors here, there's hardly any competition. There's one drug, maybe two, that are available with horrific side effects. And the rest is just go into the surgery room and either get it removed or take your whole uterus out. Tell, okay. So tell us a little bit more about this. 35% of the population are affected by specifically what? Non-cancerous tumors that okay. grow in or outside our uterus. And they continue to grow and grow. And they cause bleeding and they cause pain and they cause infertility. It's crazy. And they need to... 35% of women are affected no. by this? 70% of women, it's 35% of the population. 35% of the population. And what you're saying is that you have a solution. Where one of our balls is we will be working on a solution that knows to tackle these growth myomas or fibroids at the target tissue where they grow in the uterus instead of us being or needing to take oral contrast or oral formulations or go into our hospital. But yeah. you have the technology in your hands to develop a solution for this pervasive issue. Correct. That is incredible. 5% of women that suffer from endometriosis, sorry, 5% of the population that suffer from endometriosis, 35% of the population that suffer from these non-cancerous tumors in or around our uterus for what's one in three women. Yes, also yeah, 33%, yeah, 40% of the population that suffered from heavy bleeding for various reasons. Crazy. These are huge markets. Huge markets. these too. So important. So important. Right. Wow, this is really something. So tell us a little bit, let's talk about you and your journey, because I know you have a really interesting story. You came to Israel and you have worked your way up to your position now as a CEO of this company and you're making waves and you're sitting at the table with global leaders. So I would love to get into 
that journey with you, Karen. So I can really say that I had incredible men (laughs) that I learned from. If they were colleagues and if they were my bosses, I remember my first boss ever who was Japanese, then my second boss ever for 10 years was Israeli. And those two, I learned so much from them about business development, about creative thinking, about how to approach difficult conversations. And then from there, you shape your own, how can I say, the way you are business-wise, right? Because mm-hmm. we're different people when we're in our family. We're different people when we're in our office. We're different people when we're in conferences. Something else comes out. So you build your own little battle. Your persona, your methodology. Exactly. And I was always a very engaged professional. I love what I do. I have to believe in what I do. And I do what I love, right? So I would never be in a job that I would feel that I don't add value. I I was never in a job that I felt wasn't important or had a vision or a mission. But when I came to Oakland, it was really by accident. I didn't sit out to, to work in women's health. I worked in ophthalmology for almost 15 years. And to change kind of direction when you're 40 plus, it's not trivial, right? Because you have an, an, a gorgeous network where you're already at, but I wanted a change. And I stumbled across Ocon and, and it really opened up a world that is so important. This is me. I will suffer from this. You know, my team members were 85% women. So half of us, if not 70% of us will suffer from one of these conditions. We got to do something. And if we don't do it, who's going to do it? It's, it's so true. Thinking about the work that you're doing and talking about how women are suffering from this, and we are all interrelated. There are men in our lives, children in our lives, people in our lives, no matter the gender, we are all affected. Yes, we're all affected. You can imagine a woman comes home to her family if she has a family, or she's not as available to her friends or her social circle or her kids if she's suffering. And so bringing these solutions forward is really for humanity. Correct. I used to say to investors, when there are men around the table, I say, look, this is good for you because we calm women down. (laughs) We treat conditions that are so painful and so bloody. And they all smiled because it's true. It affects everyone. Affects everyone. Those of our households or the vice president of our finances. It's true. It's true. We need to function and we want to function and we want to be healthy. Yes. Yes. Human functioning and thriving here. So tell us a little bit. So I, I know that a lot of women listening are either running their own businesses and really working on growing, or perhaps they're working within companies and they're really motivated to do purposeful work and rise the ranks. Can you share a little bit about where you started and how you've grown from there? I recently gave a few lectures in some universities and I have a recipe for success. I believe that a woman or anyone needs three things in order to be successful. The first thing is knowledge. If we are interested in something or we're working towards something or something interests us, we got to know. We have to know. We're going to sit around the table and there's going to be a lot of people 
looking at us going, what does she know? What does she understand? So we have to have knowledge. So that's number one. If you have knowledge, you're good. The second thing, which is also as important as knowledge, is our network. 80% of my team at Ocon came from my network, from a personal reference from the network that I have. I don't use headhunters anymore because I don't need to. I have such a great network of people that know people that know people. It's always easy. It's a phone or two phone calls away from anyone that we need to speak to. If it's a campaign leader, if it's an investor, if it's another type of professional, professional network is super, super important. I always tell people that I, I, I speak to is I'm now part of your network. Use me. If you see someone on LinkedIn that I'm linked to that you would like to have a conversation with, I'll introduce you. And so network is super, super important. And last but not least is daring. Dare. So go ask for $20 million from an investor. What's the worst that can happen? He says, no, you already don't have it. But what happens if he says yes? And so dare. I always say I raised so much money in my life, but the first million that I raised, I thought, oh my God, I raised a million dollars. But it feels the same when you raise 10 or 15 or 20. You just have to dare. And so dare to ask for the raise, dare to ask for the job, dare to put yourself in front. The worst thing that can happen, you'll still stay in the same place that you are. But what if you do succeed? And so knowledge, network, and daring. Knowledge, network, and dare. I love that. And it's so important. I recently read something about the statistics of who we are as CEOs. And we have more CEOs named David then we have female CEOs. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. And John. Who even check that? David and John. I came across it in a Forbes article. And <laughs> right, who would even check that? But that's how pathetic it is and how much work we have to do. So how do you become a CEO in a company like this, Karen? How does a woman make her way in a oh, largely yeah. men's world? So I don't have a very good story to tell here. I actually was pushed by our investors, men, to take the lead. And I said, no, I don't think I'll be a good CEO. I'm a great number two. I'm an awesome BD executive. So I don't even have a good story to tell. It's not like I came in and said, oh, I can run this place and I'd be a great CEO. Not at all. Which well, that's the best story. <laughs> that's the best story of all because you were literally discovered and I'm imagining that you were discovered and you were chosen because of your knowledge and your network and the fact that you do dare. So correct. that's a great and, story. And they were part of my network for 15 years, these investors. I didn't yeah. know they were even part of Ocon, but because they knew me, they were part of my network and they know my, my qualities and abilities. They put money on my head and said, go get it. If you think we need to continue running with this company, go get it. So I don't have a very good story about raising up to the occasion and working hard to being a CEO. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I hear you. And I'm definitely going to dig a little deeper because I would love to hear from you about the three recipe, the recipe for success, these three ingredients. How do you recommend that we acquire that key knowledge in our fields? Do you have any suggestions in terms of like how to do that, how to go about that or how you've done that? So first of all, and I say this to other CEOs and C-level executives, pick a cause that you feel passionate about. 
a, it's good karma, right? To give back to the community in some way, to learn something new. It will always come back and help you or help someone else. And so that's one of the things I kind of do. At Ocon, for example, I decided that I really want to help women coming out of the prostitution cycle. And I want to give them jobs because we can. Wow. We're mostly women here and they feel more comfortable. And I want to pay them a good salary so I don't have to be cleaning ladies or do anything else. And so we've had one that was with us for a year that was trafficked into the country by, in, by a man, Israeli man, unfortunately, from Nigeria, a gorgeous oh woman. And you just feel that you're doing something good. And also for the team, we all felt that this was something that we want to help do. So one of the things is do something that you're very passionate about. It doesn't have to cost money. You can give time. You can give from your knowledge. You can give from, from like a job if you can. So that's one. The second thing is that we have to promote good professional people. Now, when I go and look for my next VP or my next employees, I make a point of looking for women. But even if there's a man that's super qualified for the job, he's going to get it. But I do make a point of looking. And most of my team, 85% of us are women because I make a point of making sure that's that's what matters to me. And again, I can say I had one boss my entire life, a woman, and she was perfect. She was perfect. She taught me how to lead with compassion and being smart. And you don't have to be someone that's on a high horse or you can be very personable and very compassionate, but still lead with integrity and be sure that everybody knows the direction, the vision, the mission. And so... I've had very good representatives in my life. And again, mostly men. This really is a man that put me on my seat. I didn't even think of CEOs because I always looked at my CEOs and said to myself, oh my God, they have so much on their shoulders and so much responsibility. I'm a good number two. (laughs) And I really dared. I thought to myself, sheesh, am I ready to take this on? And I always laugh about it because three years and 20 kilos later, I love it. I love it. I wouldn't change a thing. I think we're going to do great. We have great data and a great team and a great vision. And so, so yeah, I couldn't be happier. But that's incredible. It took took a guy to put me here and say, I'm not listening to you. You're going to leave this company. That is incredible. I want to get into this next piece because it really is your network that got you where you are today, and you made a conscious effort to cultivate that. So what kind of advice do you have for those of our listeners who are really looking to create and strengthen a professional network? Wow. It's work. It's work. I work at Ocon and I work on LinkedIn. It's really work. You can't expect to have a network without working at it, to physically go out and introduce yourself to people. Look at people that have similar interests and say, you know what, let's have a conversation just to introduce ourselves. I opened a Calendly because I, there's so many people that I want to meet and that want to meet me. And I have to make sure that it's a very efficient kind of 30 minutes so that I don't impose on anyone and no one imposes on me. But I can tell you through LinkedIn, I met the most incredible investors and the most incredible supporters. 
and we met, right? We knew yeah. we had each other and I've had opportunities through LinkedIn that took me all over the world to, uh, to speak at different organizations and conferences. And so it's work. You have to work at it and you have to be smart at it. You find people that you think would be helpful to you. Reach out to them and see where you can perhaps assist them or where they can perhaps assist you. People like to help other people. At the basic human nature is that we like to talk about ourselves, but we also like to help. And if it's not a very big imposement on someone, for example, if someone approaches me and says, can you introduce me to 13 different, that's a big ask. But if it's just one introduction or one little favor, of course. It doesn't cost money. It only costs a little bit of time. And if this can really help promote or support this person, the life is continuous and the world is round. And tomorrow this could be a person that could help you. And so it's a lot of work. You need to prepare to do the work. A lot of work. Interesting. So I have a few questions for you about LinkedIn specifically. When you reach out to someone, let's suppose you see someone who you know is going to be a great introduction to an investor. What's your strategy? How do you go about, is it that you offer them something first? Are you really straightforward? What's the recipe for you, Karen? Okay. So first of all, <laughs> my biggest takeaway from LinkedIn is be concise and short. Sometimes people write me these long messages. I don't read them. I don't have time. I'm not interested. I get bored on the second sentence. Be concise. Say what you want. Write whatever you want to write. Look at the last sentence. Put it up in the front. <laughs> I promise you, the bottom line is what you want to start with. Start Always with the bottom that. line. Love Always it. Always start with the bottom line. Write an email. Take the last sentence that you wrote. Put it on the top. Believe me, it works so much better. Bottom line, be concise and short. People that really want to build a network, I really suggest to do the LinkedIn the, where you pay a fee, where you can... Premium. Yeah, Premiere, right? Where you can message people without being connected to them. Fine. Yeah. So that also helps because people get this message. If they answer or not answer, it's their prerogative, but, uh, but do reach out to them. And if they don't answer within a week, send us a, a, a nice nudge. I want to put this message up on top of your list of, of text messages. I know you must be busy. Could you just let me know if this is a okay? Very okay. So what basically what you're saying is reach out, be concise, be straight to the point. Do you, are you conscious of the what's in it for me when you reach out to someone? How do you make your message and your request? If you are asking for someone to help you, how do you make that compelling okay. to someone so on the other is, end? That's a great point, Ozzy. Thank you for asking that. Don't reach out to people and say, I want you to invest in my company. Can I send you my deck? Who are you? What are you? Why are you calling me? It's just annoying. If you have a person that you identify that you want to talk to for a bunch of reasons, right? Let's say an investor, do some research on this person, what he likes, what associations he's with. A funny story today, Catherine, okay, wrote me, I want to invest in the company and she wouldn't take my call for weeks, okay? This gorgeous Catherine woman. And I looked inside her LinkedIn and she put her high school, that's their high school. We went to the same high school. We're the same oh, age. Oh, that is so great. In the United States. And I'm like, oh my God, Catherine, were you at this in that high school in Maryland? She's like, oh my God, yes. Do you remember Mr. This and Mr. That? Oh. Immediately start talking. 
And then I'm like, do you want to see what I'm working on? She's like, okay. And then I showed her and she's like, oh my God, I love this. And today she wrote me a message. I decided I want to invest, blah, blah, blah. And so you have to do the research. It happens all the time. You have to find one unifying link or thread. Someone that you know in common, that if I call this person that we know in common, we'll say, yeah, I know them. They're great. Don't just name drop. That's terrible. It has to be. It has to be. Yeah, it has to be relevant. So funny. I keep getting these long messages on LinkedIn. Hey, Ozzy, I see that we have so much in common. And then this long paragraph about what they do and book a Calendly with me. And they're going to sell me something that has nothing to do with anything I'm doing. I love everything you're saying. It's like, know who you're talking to, make it relevant, find what you have in common. Yeah. And make keep a short, it concise note. Keep it short. Nobody. I want to reach out to an investor. I can say, I've seen you recently invested in this company, or I know you invest in impact. I'd love to, to share the impact we're making at Ocon. Just do make some point that is relevant. And never leave action for the other person. I will never send my Calendly to the other person to book with me. What is that? Can I have your email? May I have your phone? Would you like to arrange a meeting here? Whatever is comfortable for the other side, do it. Ask for permission. Think about the other person. It makes so much sense. I love that. So we spoke about knowledge and network. And what daring? How did you? How do you cultivate the ability to be courageous and be daring in work. You got to step outside your skin. <laughs> you do. You just have to do it. Say it. Keep, I have this voice in my head. I remember when I approached one of the biggest CEOs in the United States, and I, I really wanted them to sit on my board. In my head, I'm like, Karen, you're talking to him, and you have to do the whole discussion. Give me some background, give me some background. This is what we're doing. I have to do the whole spiel. But in my mind, I'm like, ask him, do it, do it, say it. You just have to say it, just say it. Would you uh, entertain? Would you entertain sitting on our board? It would be a huge contribution to me personally and to the company. And you already know said? And then I swear I said, really? <laughs> I couldn't believe that. I'm like, really? I couldn't believe it. And yeah, just okay. dare. Have that little voice in your head that goes, say it, do it, do it, say it, do it, do just it. Just dare. All right. I can see the t-shirt already. I, by the way, in everything, in your relationships, in your colleague communication, just do it, do it, say it. That's so good. How are you daring, Karen, when it comes to life outside of work? Can we do a next question? <laughs> I just don't understand the life outside of work part of the question. Oh my gosh. So tell, yeah, let's talk about that for a minute. So you are, this is where you are super committed. Yeah. Yeah. I decided with myself that I'm either all in and that takes a toll on my family and on my personal life. And I realized that, but I do that with a big smile. Sometimes it's hard. And I saw a post recently that says the only people that are going to remember the long hours you put in the office are your kids. Killed me. But, but yeah, this is what I'm going to do for the next few years. I took that into account. It's my mission. It's part of who I am. It's what I want to do. I want to make a change. I want these products to get to market. And so I put that part aside. It doesn't mean that it's correct or good or that I 
suggested or promoted, but yeah, it's really interesting. And I think that as a woman, so many of us have grown up with this paradigm that men can be gone from seven to seven or seven to eight or whatever it is. And somehow that's okay because they're the Disneyland dad and they'll show up on Saturday and Sunday and go to baseball, the baseball game or whatever it is. And somehow that's not okay for women, but it is so important for us to evaluate that and be be compassionate with ourselves if we're trying to do a lot. I just put down Golda Meir's biography, Lioness. And she, for so many years, was traveling and away from her family. And she made so many sacrifices for her country and for her mission. And I would imagine that her descendants are extremely proud of her. Yeah. And you know what? We're good enough. And I always say that to every woman I ever talk to, we're good enough. And that's something we have to understand. Uh, we can't always strive to do better, be better, look better, feel better, do whatever better. We're good enough. And this is what we choose. And this is the best foot forward that we put. And we need to stop with this guilt and shame. I really believe it. Yes. And what I did is, for example, in August, I'm taking off a couple weeks and I'm taking each child separately on a trip. Because we're going to have just him and me time or her. Oh, and my me. gosh. That is those amazing. Be, yeah, those are going to be the ones, the things that they remember. And the things that I remember because I have quality time with each of them. But during the week, yeah, they hardly see me. They hardly oh see me. Oh, my gosh. It's so amazing. It's, I literally have tears in my eyes because it's such a statement about quality. You're really giving your kids your full attention and full investing attention. in them. And it's well, Really beautiful. To the team here, I said in August, we're all on vacation. And so they start, I have this to do and I have that to do. I'm like, no, because if you guys are not on vacation, no one is really on vacation because you send the emails and the people feel that they have to, we're all on vacation. It's an order. It's an order. It's so good. And it's like, everyone's going to come back so rejuvenated from all of that. So that is so incredible. I would love to hear from you. Anything else you want to share in terms of what you're working on and even in terms of what do you want your potential investors to know about this company, Karen? Join Population Health. It's important. It's a blue ocean. It's perfect for investors. There's not a lot of competition. These are huge markets. They're untapped. This is the time to come in and really put your foot down and your money to support it. The big companies can't do it alone. The small little startups can't do it alone. We've recently received a term sheet from a big investor here in Israel that have never invested in women's health. And the first thing I said to them, I said, no matter what the term sheet says, I'm so proud of you as a group of professional investors to take a leap of faith into a, a program that, you know, you've never heard of, you have no experience with. You collected the key opinion leaders around you to give you the, the support that you need to make this decision to invest. And so. I really believe that they should choose one company. There's so many fantastic companies in our space. I sit on a board of one. I mentor another one. So many great companies with different views on how to treat population health or personalized health and with different projects or products or technologies. Really, this is a call out for anyone who's looking for a place to put their money this is it. This is incredible. It. Such an incredible opportunity. 
Is there anywhere that you want to encourage our listeners to connect with you or learn more about what you're doing? I'm always on LinkedIn. I answer every single note and approach I get. Sometimes it takes a few more days. Usually it's immediate. Everyone is welcome to reach out to me. I'll look on our website, reach out to my team. My whole team is connected to me on LinkedIn. They can look on the LinkedIn page of Ocon and all of us are in there. Karen, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Azzy, thank you for the opportunity. You're wonderful. Thank you so much for tuning in to the show today. Thank you for being here. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe because there's so much more in store. If you'd like to share the gift of being inspired by purpose, you can send a link over to a friend, drozzy.co backslash inspired so that they can benefit also. If you haven't done so yet, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening. You are welcome to send us over a screenshot of the review to service at drozzy.co because I'm going to be sharing some of these reviews in forthcoming episodes. Thank you so much for being inspired by purpose, for being with me here on the podcast today, and I will see you next week.